Welcome to the Talking 306 podcast, an original Saskatchewan podcast hosted by me, Dale Richardson. On this episode of the Talking 306 podcast, my guest is Serena Gersher. When she decided to run in the 2016 municipal election, she was new to elected politics. Now, after winning that race in Saskatoon, she is the city councillor for Ward 7 in Saskatoon. Councillor Gersher and I sat down recently at City Hall to discuss her life, including her family's story, including how they settled in Sask- Saskatoon after leaving the former Soviet Union, her work with the Environmental Society, and also work that she did to improve public transit in Saskatoon. Of course, we also discussed the current policy issues that Saskatoon City Council is debating, like a new downtown arena and downtown bike lanes. My name is Dale Richardson, and I'm the host of the Talking 306 podcast, and this is my interview with Councillor Serena Gersher. Can, can we start off by talking ab- about your family a bit? Yeah. Your parents and your grandparents have a, a great story, I know. And um, knowing you when we were younger and being over at your house a little bit in those days, I, th- I you know, I think at that age, we kind of miss interesting things like, like their story. So can you just uh, tell me a bit about your parents and, uh, and grandparents and their story? Yeah. I would be happy to. Great. Um, so my parents were from the former Soviet Union, from Moldova, mm. and my oldest sister was born there. And when she right. was almost a year and a half, which would have been in 81, my parents left the Soviet Union um, and came to Canada as economic refugees. Oh. And so... What does that mean exactly? <clears throat> Because uh, my family is Jewish, they, the ability to have access to jobs and to be able to succeed and I guess support yourself was um, reduced quite a bit and they were persecuted um, in terms of economic opportunities because they were Jewish. Right. And so the only reason my family was actually allowed to leave was because they were Jewish. My mom... Uh, I touched base with her yesterday. Yeah. Um, and she said the only folks that were allowed to leave um, the Soviet Union at that time um, were Germans and Jews, and they were allowed to go back to their home country. And so my parents left to uh, Israel, but when they got to Austria and you claim the place that you're supposed to go to, mm-hmm. um, they chose to come to Canada. And so... They spent about six months in Italy and before, and it was actually a Jewish agency that helped settle them. And then once they arrived, the Canadian government supported them for a year through English classes and um, access for rent and food. And then it would have been, I think it's about five years before my dad's parents came, and Mm. then probably another three before my mom's parents came and they came through the same process under um, economic refugees. Why did they, why did they choose Canada? And, and I guess specifically Saskatoon. Did they, did did they come to Saskatoon first? They did. Yeah. Yeah. We had some family in Toronto at the time, as well as some family throughout the States. And I don't remember specifically where at this point, um, and there had been a bit of lost in translation of, I think my parents were looking at going to the States first, um, but because of the healthcare being different, they were warned that as mm. you age, it will be more difficult to, um, to be there. And so that kind of led them to Canada. But I think mm. in the advice that they were given about the States, they kind of took that to mean they don't. They weren't wanted in Toronto, so they found another place, which is Saskatoon. They'd yeah. had a friend who had been here and said it was gorgeous, and so this was their first stop. And in high school, my parents had looked at actually moving out east for, um, I think it was a year we were talking about it, so I'm happy we stayed. 
Yeah, no, I bet. No, that's, yeah. I I mean, as I said, when a um, couple of times I I think I'd, I'd gone to your house um, and I'd, I'd met your mom. I, I don't remember meeting your dad really, but, but your mom for sure. And, you know, she had this, she had this accent and couldn't really figure out what was going on there. And then of course, as, as you get older and you, and you learn more about people and about things and okay, there was obviously, they were not from Saskatoon and they came here and Serena and her sisters, you know, and all that's, all that thing. So, so, so Saskatoon became, became home for them and, yeah. And made a life here. I yeah, think. and yeah. so my sister and I, my middle sister and I were born in Saskatoon. Right. And then my oldest sister is from the Soviet Union. What are their names? Your two Malvina sisters. and Shana. Right, yes. Yeah. I recall them as well. That's great. Okay. Um, so you grew up in Saskatoon, uh, of course, and then you did the high school thing and all that. You grew up in East College Park. Greystone. Greystone, yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. And then East College Park is right right in that area, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's all the same word. And then you went to the U of S and you did geography or some type of Yeah, it was environmental. land use and environmental studies. So it was yeah. an interdisciplinary bachelor of science. And I actually took a year off between high school and university and I went what traveling. Did you do then? You I lived in Taiwan for four months. My sister and her husband, uh, well, fiance at the time, were teaching English in Kaohsiung. Yeah. And so I, that was my home base. I taught English a bit. And then I backpacked for six months through Southeast Asia on my own. So I turned 19 in Shanghai. Jeez. It was great. So I came back definitely ready for university and I was excited to start my program there. Yeah. I did, I did two years in between as well. And... I, I always th- think people going out of high school should should take that gap at least a gap year, and it's it's that's more common in Canada. Of course, it's it's not a thing in the U.S. People really people go straight in, into college. When you went to school in the states for a bit, I did, yeah, and and everyone g- goes right into college like right after high school, and they're you know seventeen, eighteen, and they don't know they don't know what nice the hell they're doing, and, yeah. Well, and it's a different way of learning. You've been in yeah. school you know, just graduated grade 12. And I actually upgraded um, my biology and then needed to take a chemistry. Cause when I was in high school, I didn't realize I wanted to do a bachelor of science. So I stayed right. for that extra couple months, but right. it was definitely nice to get to go and expand my worldview yeah. as well. Yeah, no, for sure. So, so why did you want to do the, um, uh, the environmental studies side of, side of things when you're in school? What, what, drew you to that because that really yeah. became a, a great passion for you in the it's funny you'll is, remember right? this because I like to tell this story and I I was given advice in storytelling to like be specific and pick a place and so yeah donk history in our grade 10 science class yeah. with Mr. Donkin yeah chemistry teacher at Aiden Bowman yeah yeah um <laughs> it was in his class that I learned about global warming and climate issues. And I remember learning about alternative energy. And it kind of blew my mind that we had these crazy challenges coming at us, but we also had solutions that seemed to be slow at implementing. And so I was like, okay, I want to work in solving these, Yeah, Um, which kind of led me to the environmental branch. And then once I actually got into school, um, I think... Traditionally, I wanted to do more of the engineering branch, um, but I don't think my chemistry and physics skills supported that. Yeah. Um, no. So it was nice to do the interdisciplinary program, mm-hmm. focus mainly on geography, and then that's where I minored in GIS. Right. The map making. Yeah. The, the map making stuff. Yeah. And and the room that we're sitting in, just so people know, there are many many maps in here. Yeah, there's which, great aerial which, which, imagery. Which, which this it was not planned, I don't think, but to have these maps in here. But yeah, it's, there's maps it's cool. all over City Hall. So okay, so you did you did that degree, and then and then what was the first job after you graduated? Working at Miwasin, and right. so the Miwasin Valley Authority, a local conservation agency. Yeah. Uh, it was perfect because my my passion was in environmental issues, and then 
did my Bachelor of Science there, but I also specialized in geographic information systems and the mapping and had experience through my undergrad working in that. And so a job came up as a GIS analyst at the Mewasan Valley Authority. So, so what exactly is that? Like when you, when you told people what, what you did, did you basically just say, I, I, make, I make maps yeah. ab- about this area of the city? I usually just left it as I make maps, but some of the work I did at Miwasan ranged from um, policy-related maps, so looking at the Northeast sector and actually mapping information we were, or areas we were talking about, um, gathering data from conservation and then being able to inform future conservation work, um, because having that historic access to information I worked on the trail study and so my colleague Mm. and I mapped the whole Miwasan trail to be able to assess um, basically the not the quality of it but the condition of it that's the word I was looking for Um, so being able to see if there was any safety concerns um, if things needed to be widened and it's really interesting because we had a professional active transportation company help analyze the data and we actually broke their system because the Miwasan Trail is so busy. Um, so that partly actually led to the expansion. Did they make you pay extra for because you broke no. the system? Oh. No. Okay. It just took a little longer. <laughs> That's funny. But um, yeah, like behind the Mendel and right. leading up to, I guess, Queen Street and north of that, like yeah. that expansion is partly from that trail study. The new path there that, yeah. that just got finished this, this last summer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I've... I've seen that, and I I wish that I lived in Saskatoon right now. Come back and visit more often. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, okay, that's that's cool. So you were at Mewasan for a number of four four years, four and right? Four and a half years, yeah. And so when when did you become a board member for the Environmental Society? That's a good question. I started out as a youth affiliate. Well, I started out on a fundraising committee and then moved to the youth affiliate on the board, which um, I got to participate but didn't get to vote um, and didn't participate in in in-camera portions and then transitioned to a board member. And so I think that was... 2012 or 13. What is a more specific answer? Yeah, no, it's it's fine. Um, What exactly does that organization do? For, for people that don't know, I guess. There's a lot of focus on education. So it's a provincial organization. They do water conservation work um, in northern communities. They do energy conservation work as well. Um, so they've worked with different uh, businesses in Saskatoon to help do energy audits. Um, mm. There's also a, a focus on policy and being able to provide um, science-based or constructive feedback around environmental issues. And so that ranges from climate change to, um, I guess, resource resources. And I'm trying to think there would have been a few other, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, Folks are curious. It's environmentalsociety.ca. Okay. Good, for the website. Good, good plug for that. Yeah. The uh, solar co-op Are you on the board started. still for, with them? I am. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is my second term. Right, okay. Um, and then when did you get involved with the with the Bus Riders of Saskatoon? I got that, that group. involved right when it started up. Um, when was that? A friend that? of mine would have been, I believe it was fall 2013. 14. Yeah, like it's it's not a like it's a new it it's a yeah. new organization. So what so what is Bus Riders of, of Saskatoon and what did you guys want to do with that group? It was an advocacy group that yeah. focused on transit in Saskatoon from a rider's perspective. Public transit. Yeah. Yeah. And so the group itself formed because they we felt that there had been a gap in being able to support riders in Saskatoon um, and coincidentally when the group formed it was about a week or two later that the lockout happened um, the bus with drivers Saskatoon lockout, yeah. transit and so that forced the group to organize incredibly fast and yeah. form committees and it's a group that makes decisions by consensus and when I got elected to council I kind of stepped back from that role in that the, the main advocacy group is the city of Saskatoon but the group itself works actively with uh, city administration and uh, had worked with the union as well but I'd say the most active 
connection is with the community and the city, um, just to make sure that the focus was on providing constructive feedback. So not just saying, hey, we're concerned about an issue, um, like we're not, or we're concerned about buses being late. So can you give us information on X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. so that we can actually provide you feedback on what we'd like to see as an alternative? Did you guys want like more more bus routes, more... The focus was on or, uh, or, reliable, efficient, and accessible transit. And so it didn't necessarily mean more buses, mm-hmm. but certainly increasing the frequency at parts of the day. Yeah. Um, was the goal to get more more people riding riding Abs- buses yeah. in Saskatoon? Yeah. yeah, but I think it was also just to make it easy for people to use so that to more people would out. use it, yeah. um, but that you could kind of get outside your front door and not have to think too much about which mm-hmm. route you wanted to use. And um, yeah. shortly after the group formed, or maybe it was about a year after, real-time data on the buses was shared with um, Google and Transit app. Mm. And so that has been wonderful. Yeah, no kidding. You get to know if your bus is running later behind. Um, yeah. And then obviously the city's moving towards bus rapid transit now. I think I think that that is such an important part of the bus riding conversation or public transit in, in general because just the being able to very easily open your phone and almost like Lyft or Uber, knowing where your bus stop is in your like proximity towards you and just, you know, realizing, oh, my bus stop is, it's a block away. And it says, if you get on the number five to go to the downtown bus mall, then I, I, I get to go to work and, oh, it's coming in 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, it takes the stress away from knowing if yeah. your bus is later behind, especially in winter as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I lived in Saskatoon, when I went to school and then w- when I worked for a bit, um, yeah, I, I took the bus and, and I loved it because it honestly gave me some time just to sit and think about stuff. Yeah. To, you know, put my headphones in and just, you know, kind of to process just go the there. Day or, yeah. But I realized that, you know, you don't have any control over, you know, the speed at which you're going and, you know, the bus may be late. It may be early for whatever reason and you miss it. And that, you know, that pisses people off. So, I mean, I get why people don't want to take, take a bus or some type of, of public transit. But, I mean, I think that, as you said, it is getting better, hopefully. and Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the great thing about BRT is it's going to build in a reliable spot as to where the most frequent portion of transit is going to be. And that's our north, south, east, west routes like 8th Street, 22nd, those places where you um, have the ability to move transit faster. Right. Um, but you also know the frequency, like your bus is going to come in five to seven minutes. So if you missed one, there is another one there. Yeah. And then um, building more of a network type transit system, you'll be able to get through the city faster. Um, you know, they'll still be the neighborhood level buses, but those connect into the frequent um, red line, green line, blue line that yeah. take you through the city. Because I find um, as a transit user, I can get where I need to go easily. Like, I mean, for me, getting to downtown is is fairly straightforward or to the Broadway area, but I getting, you know, to to get, well, groceries is a bad example because I live right behind Superstore, but oh, okay. when I was yeah. uh, downtown getting to go to get groceries or yeah, to the soccer center, it was there's just no nearby store downtown, a little yeah. tougher to do trip planning. And so this should help transition that because right now all of our buses have to pulse into one space, mm-hmm. like the downtown terminal and leave at the same time to make sure that the transfer points align so that people aren't waiting for half an hour. Yeah. But it's also not the most efficient way to actually plan transit because it's tough to manage that amount of buses coming in and out and then making sure that no kinks in terms of behind or ahead buses. How do you get around these days? Do you have a car? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I've been relying on my car a lot more. Just because of the frequency of of the events that you have to do and the the meetings you have, like you're going to your coffee constituency uh, thing tonight you said and yeah, I've going, got coming downtown yeah coffee with the counselor that's right yeah yeah I find that I do have to be around the city a lot more than I used to um but I certainly could 
build in more time to to either use transit or cycling. And for me, it's that time to get to wake up in the morning or um, cool down after meetings. And just I really enjoyed that when I was working at Miwas and biking to work because it was a time to wake up and then it was a time to leave work at work. Right. And it was about a 20 minute ride. I'm not a fast cyclist we'll talk about about cycling and, and bike lanes in a minute so oh, okay looking but, forward to it yeah um <laughs> so let's get back to your kind of thread here so 2016 starts to roll around or, or getting closer yeah and with that election in the in the fall of that year um who basically how did you decide to to run for council and just the process about what really what motivated you to run uh, because your the ward that you are now the counselor for was vacant at that time. Yeah. Um, so it was an open seat. So just talk about that process a little bit. Yeah. Had you asked me a couple months before I decided to run, it wouldn't have occurred to me that I could be in a leadership role. Um, yeah. Because like a counselor. Because you hadn't ever ever run for anything before. Like no, and I hadn't right? been yeah. involved in any type of formal political system either at um, basically any level of government. Yeah. I'd engaged a lot with the city. And I think my engagement probably started with SCS, with the Environmental Society. Um, and I focused most of my energy on city initiatives where I thought I could get um, the most, I guess, direct level of providing feedback. Mm-hmm. And so I've been really active um, through bus riders of Saskatoon in the growth plan. Yes. And the growth plan is really exciting because it's basically shaping the next 50 plus years of our city. That's great. Um, It's as it's growing and it's putting a plan in place to actually guide us. And so obviously the bus rapid transit portion um, appealed to me, but even looking at the land use patterns and making sure that we can supplement more density along those corridors, it was a really exciting time for the city and so I I made a point to attend all of those things in addition to having spoken to council about different environmental issues um, I'd actually been a somebody that uh, I know who has worked within the system basically said like hey I think you should consider running who is that I'm gonna keep that to myself okay Um, I kind of laughed at them and I was like ha that's nice of you but I value your opinion. So for sure, let's go grab coffee and chat about sure. it. Um, and then at that point, it kind of got the wheels got turning that it was yeah. like, you know, this actually could be a really incredible time. It's super exciting to be able to get to work on then implementing the growth plan um, to get to run in a spot where there is no incumbent. I mean, it's very intimidating to enter the political system, let alone if you're facing somebody that's... Um, seeking re-election yeah, and and typically hard to hard to beat incumbents particularly yeah. on on city council it's it doesn't happen that often yeah absolutely Although, a couple of exceptions in the in the last election yeah in 2016 yeah and so when i had started thinking about like actually i could make this work yeah. um and i'd regret not putting my name forward i started reaching out to folks in the community that i knew to ask whether or not they thought it'd be a good idea, whether or Mm -hmm. not there was actually greater support. And that kind of snowballed into being able to put a bit of a team together. It's really crazy to run a campaign at the municipal election because you have no political machine to support you yeah. it's you deciding it's you and just what you're going to put your on your leaflets how many leaflets you're going to do where you're going to door knock what you're going to say like it was yeah. just yeah there's yeah. no there's no central campaign out of you know wherever in no, a, we in worked a different out of office my basement. in Saskatoon or, yeah are you, yeah there you go out yeah. of your basement yeah, highlighting maps being like is, I did this side of Kirk Crescent and that is a local campaign yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's so, that's cool. I was really lucky that I had a lot of volunteers who come and s- came to support me and actually helped f- fill in the gaps that I didn't have um, an understanding of in terms of how to run a campaign. I yeah. was very familiar with the city um, and city processes, although upon getting elected, it's still a crazy learning curve. Yeah, but the actual logistics of running a campaign wasn't familiar to me. Well, and the and the fact that you had people that came out regularly to help you yeah. do the campaign. I, I mean, having worked on several campaigns myself, that's the most frustrating thing about running a campaign is when people, friends of yours or, you know, or not <clears throat> say that they'll, Oh yeah, I'll come and help you. You bet. Like, yeah, I, 
let's go door knocking. Yeah. And then when the day rolls around, they don't, they don't show up. And there's nothing wrong with it. People, people have lives to live and, you know, they probably don't realize the amount of, of time that has to go into, you know, walking, you know, walking up to doors and having the courage to knock on that and say, Hey, I'm out, out on behalf of Serena Gersher. Yeah. Oh, well, who's that? And well, she's so-and-so she's running for council. Yeah. So that yeah, was really neat. My team got through my ward one and a half times. Yeah. And there's how many people live in ward eight? Uh, just under 24,000. Okay. And so that's growing. Uh, Homewood is in the ward. So the newest neighborhood's Brighton. Yes. Um, and I mean, Homewood's been projected to have over 80,000 people in its full build out. And that's, you know, right. six neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, and so right now, Brighton is um, has been growing quite fast. But during the campaign, there wasn't anybody that lived there. And now yeah. there's over just uh, empty a lots. couple hundred. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, just back to the campaign. Mm -hmm. Did anyone, um, like you said, you obviously had, had people that encouraged you to do it. Mm -hmm. Did anyone say to you or, or did you ever get held up by the fact that, um, you know, this is something that I think about a lot and I've, and I've talked to people on this podcast about that given the amount of different, different venues and channels for, for criticism of our public, public and elected officials these days with social media, obviously, you know, the biggest one, did anyone say to you, you know, or did you think, I, I don't know if it's really worth it for me to, you know, with the hassle and, taking the criticism and, you know, having to respond to what I think may seem to a lot of people like, like really menial complaints, you know, like my garbage didn't get picked up. Despite the fact that, that those are the types of things that are, you know, in local politics, some of the most important things, you know, clearing garbage and, you know, fixing roads, you know, sidewalks, things like that. Did anyone discourage you from running and I don't think I that's got good. any discouragement. You have very optimistic people around you then. That's great. <laughs> I no, think I knew going into it that I'd have to build up a thicker skin. An immunity. Um, yeah. And I am still working on that. Yeah. But I don't, I think the feedback that I would have gotten more along those lines would have been to support kind of building up that thicker skin. But I didn't actually hear a lot of discouragement. That's interesting. Do you yeah. do do you think that that kind of n not not specifically to you, but do do you think that that's a concern for for younger people like you and like you and I to get involved yeah. in politics? Yeah. yeah, it seems that, and maybe I think of this more in a party setting that people have a bit of um, a visceral reaction. Maybe that's not the right word. Um, I just feel like sometimes issues get so heated and it's either black or white. Like there's not mm -hmm. a lot of room to be able to have a dialogue or discussion about an issue. Um, and it's completely okay to disagree. I think it's nice to have those conversations and important for me to hear that information. Um, I think the ability though for for us as a society to have those types of dialogues is diminishing a bit i see um and yeah. maybe i'm not explaining it the best but i i understand i think like you know being able to put a statement on social media saying like i'm absolutely for this but then not having the ability to discuss it further mm -hmm. um so i spend a lot of time trying to respond to folks that i get emails from explaining how i came to a decision yeah. um and the information that drove that and then yeah. asking if they have feedback around the issue um, and I mean, garbage is a good example. We're in a spot right now where we've been underfunding waste services for five years. Um, and so there's like a $2 million gap to fill every year. And partly that's because there's been less revenue coming to the landfill from tipping fees because of other competition. Um, we also don't fully take into account the cost of dumping garbage from residential bins. So it's... Mm. we've underfunded waste and we're pulling reserves to fund it. And so we have to figure out how to resolve that. And that can be done either through property taxes or a utility. Um, and now I feel like I'm rambling, but <laughs> it's a podcast. You can talk as long as you want. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
I understand I, what you're saying, though. Well, I've been trying to to let folks know that it's not necessarily an either or. Like, if yeah. people are interested in having one mechanism to resolve that funding issue, that's great. I mean, there's a lot of benefits in having it a utility form. Yeah. But I find it's tough to be able to give all that information about here's the issue um, that we're underfunding waste, yeah. that it costs a lot to put organics in the landfill. To here's how I came to, to my solution, to is there anything you'd like to give feedback on? And so it's mm. it's been a lot of heavy issues. Yeah, but at the end of the day, just, just I guess to comment on that, don't, I mean, doesn't it just basically come down to whether or not people either see their garbage can, you know, and it's, and it's overfilled and the and the garbage truck like the Loras guys haven't or Loras here? The city does garbage. Yeah, the city's Saskatoon. Yeah, Loras um, does recycling. Doesn't it just come down to to residents looking out at their at their garbage bin and seeing that their garbage hasn't been picked up for a number of days? I and think doesn't it just come down to cuz you're right. <clears throat> yes, there there is a bunch of internal city council city of saskatoon management stuff that goes into that about the you know budget but at the end of the day most people probably just care if they're if, if they're if their bin is emptied well i mean the things they? that the city does directly affects people and that's yeah. garbage that's water turning on your tap showering that's your roadways your sidewalks and so yeah. i think absolutely the things that our city does directly affect people's day-to-day lives um, and I, that's about most a third of, of what I hear from yeah. people. And then a third is in response to issues that are coming up. And yeah. well, maybe, yeah, two thirds between those yeah. two. Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor for this episode, 306 Media and Communications. 306 Media and Communications helps businesses and organizations with any help that they may need with public relations, social media advertising, and communications. Uh, if you need help with social media ads, like on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter or Snapchat, if you need media relations and media training help to get ready to talk to a local reporter, if something has happened in, in your organization and you need some issues or crisis management help, if you're getting ready to start a campaign, whether that be a political campaign or some kind of advertising campaign and need to figure out your messaging for it. Or if you need some writing services like speech writing or press releases or blog articles, 306 Media Communications can help you. For more information, contact by email at info at 306media.ca or visit the website www.306media.ca or by calling 306-527-1914. Now, let's get back to the episode. So, okay, so you you won your seat in 2016. Mm-hmm. You faced one other person, so yes. you just had to get the most amount of votes, and you won handedly, I, I might add. Um, the 2016 election in Saskatoon was pretty monumental, I think. Um I th- I'm pretty sure it was the first time that um, that the majority of councillors were women that got elected. At le- I believe um, so. At least yeah, as far back as women. Yeah, like at least as far back as I could tell. Um, and people were obviously quite ready for ch- change in the mayor's office. Um, I don't. I don't think that there's any question about that. So, um, what? We also I mean, have a young council. There's yeah, four of, of us course, under exactly. the age of 35. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. So it's funny, we just talked about, you know, being concerned about, <laughs> about the negative side of, of running for politics. Obviously, that is that is But we that, do have a unique council. Like I spoke it at is. a youth forum at a federal conference um, amongst elected officials, and we do have a unique council in terms of the makeup of women and um, also having young folks. I mm-hmm. mean, we still have work to do on getting more diversity on council yeah but it's it's an exciting time for our city is it is council is it divided right now between like i would if the the casual observer would would probably say that based on the current council makeup 
and based on some of the more contentious issues, like I, I know most of the issues that come to city council that you guys vote on, most are in agreement, you know. I was the sole eleven out of eleven against in the yeah. last. Yes, we'll talk <laughs> about that. Um, but but the current makeup of the council, one could say that there are five who lean a little bit more to the left, four to five that lean a little more on the center right, and then a couple of councillors that kind of go go back and forth depending on what the issue is, and that and that has kind of been shown in in some of the votes that have come to council. I wouldn't say it's a divided or split council. Like I think we all work really well together, um, yeah. and that's one of the perks of the nonpartisan nature of being kind of an independent councillor. Yeah. Lots of issues I wouldn't say are like left or right leaning in terms of deciding about an arena or not. Like I don't. Mm-hmm know if that aligns with uh, left or right side of the spectrum and so I don't think lots of our votes that have been contentious have fallen with the same people voting one mm. way or another okay um, we've what, also got our strategic yeah. priority areas where each counselor um, champions an issue that does have kind of a political or sticky nature to it. So I'm working What's with Councillor Lowen on environmental sustainability. Right. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but it's nice to have expertise in that area. Marilyn Lowen, so. also, an, also an Aiden Bowman yeah. graduate. Yes. Yeah. And um, some of our other ones are like downtown development. Um, right. Economic development, transportation. And so having a counselor responsible for one of those has been really helpful in digging into some of these um, big issues like BRT, like a, an arena yeah. uh, slash convention center. So so let's talk about some of those issues then, some sure. of the big Saskatoon issues. So you mentioned this briefly. So the downtown arena slash idea. Slash convention center. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, this, so we're doing this on um, Wednesday, November 14th. And, and so just last night, uh, City Council did vote to move ahead. The Governance and Priorities Committee. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. But so Council hasn't voted on it yet. But was it? But are all Council members on that committee? Yes. Like you guys all all voted last yeah. night on it, right? We have okay. five working committees that are for our standing policy and one in Governance and Priorities that align with our uh, divisions or departments in the city. Right. And then the one that is made up of all of Council deals with governance issues or topics that kind of overlap. And so the arena one came like to that one. Yeah, okay. And so GPC will discuss and make a recommendation to council. And so right. I think part of the benefit of that, even though it's all of council, it gives time for the public to be able to hear which direction council's going in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've got an idea of how the vote turned out and it was 10 for and one against uh, for the arena and convention center being downtown in the future for planning purposes. Yeah, to 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 plan for it to be yeah. downtown at least. So how come? Why why were you the one counselor that was against that? I was you know I was I was surprised actually that that was the case because, um, just on on that particular issue, I I thought it would have been someone else honestly. So what were your reasons at this point at least for yeah. for not voting in favor of planning for the downtown arena? The two areas that were gaps for me were around financing and timelines, and I didn't have enough clarification on what financing would be used and what reliance on the mill rate we would have to take in, whether it's through debt or property tax um, increases. Mm -hmm. And I heard a lot on the doorstep about concerns about the amount of capital projects that we've undertaken as a city. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot kind of on the docket. And so because. Like some of the bridges that were recently finished. and Yeah. 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 Um, and we have other ones that the city's talking about, potentially a new central library. The library is undergoing engagement as well. Right. And for me, I wanted to be able to speak about all those things together. And so because the timeline wasn't very clear for me on when this um new development would take place in the downtown for either an arena or convention center. I didn't feel as much of a pressure to have to make that decision right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I respected the, the opinions of my colleagues that 
we need to be able to give direction to our administration and to our controlled corporations like TCU Place and Saskatel Centre to be able to plan for the future and to know whether or not they need to come up with a plan B. And so some of the stuff that came out of our committee discussion was that if, well, I guess it would be that an arena in the future would be in the downtown. Mm -hmm. All of the timelines and financing are still to be determined. Um, And it's the same for the convention center. Let's say that you're on on council in however many years, let's say into the next city council term, and there's a final vote that that comes to city council uh, to fund in whatever capacity it may be. There's, I know that there's a bunch of different funding models to, to build a downtown arena and, and convention center. Let's say that that um, comes to a council vote. Do, do you think that you would vote in favor of, of that? It, it depends it's, on it's the information yeah. that's presented. And I think the thing I need to know most is what it's going to cost and how we're going to pay for it. How much is too much for, for that project, do you think? Like in in terms of an amount for for the city to pay, because I've gathered that yeah. the expectation is that there there will be private funding with you know naming rights for the for the convention center and the arena and you know funding from well from the preliminary report we got yeah. and that talked about how other arenas um, mainly arenas no arenas and convention centers have been funded and. In the case of our um, controlled corporations, the naming rights go towards the operating dollars. And so to use naming rights for another purpose puts the control oh, it's corporation not, it's not for the in, capital build. in jeopardy as well. And so, I mean, obviously in, in the building of other spaces, the Gordy House Sports Complex has done this, that they've been able to name certain parts within the building. And so that might be an opportunity. Right. Um, so that was kind of the preliminary feedback we got. And there's still a lot of reporting that is yeah. yet to come. Yeah. Like the um, location of it, like the actual location of where it would go downtown specifically. Yeah. 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 And some of the suggestions for financing would rev- um, require changes to provincial legislation. Um, one that was talked about was tax incremental financing. And so that is to basically, my understanding is to... Increase the tax um, or the the tax what that will be generated from that development in your by land. So you bring in an arena that will spur further development, and yeah. then those property taxes will be um, mm-hmm. targeted to finance the arena. Um, but right now, we can only do that for the municipal portion of property taxes, which is fifty five percent. And then the remaining 45% is subject to provincial approval. Right. Yeah. And so um, having access to 45% more would be yeah. beneficial. So there's still a lot of to be determined. Yeah. Yeah. No, this will yeah. go on for, for several years still. And then the build will obviously take a number more years. So uh, we could talk all day about that issue, yes. I'm certain. A um, couple more Quick issues for for Saskatoon, uh, <laughs> down, downtown bike lanes. Sure. Um, are you when you talk to your constituents? I guess, and this is this is kind of an overview for for I guess all Saskatoon issues. What do they say that they're concerned about? Like, is it is it things like downtown bike lanes? Like, like do they when you go door knocking or or when you respond to emails or make phone calls, are they saying, uh, Councillor Gersher, where you know we don't go downtown that often. But when we do with these new bike lanes, we can't figure it out. We feel unsafe driving downtown. We don't want to hit these these cyclists. Um, and I don't know where the hell to park because of just, you know, the new setup. And I will say that I love cycling. I rode my bike to work when I still worked at a real job and not from home. Um, and some of the great times in my life have been cycling in other cities around the world. So I like I personally think that that bike lanes are great, and I mean it's obviously part of the future for cities like Saskatoon. But in the interim, it, it for some people it, it does seem to annoy them to some to some degree. So 
I get a mix of feedback, and I've certainly heard the sentiment that um, you're explaining. I've also had support for them. Um, And then in terms of other feedback, it's on completely different issues. Mm -hmm. And I did hear um, a bit about bike lanes while I was door knocking. And I think sometimes, depending on when a decision is being made, um, I hear a lot more feedback when council is actually being asked to decide that month on something. Yeah. Um, and so for me, we have a lot of plans that have just been endorsed. So within months of getting elected, um, the previous council had um, supported the growth plan and an active transportation plan. And so it's exciting to get to work on those implementation parts of it. Yeah. And the idea is to have them integrated together. And I think the challenge we're going to see as we continue to develop is pressures to move people around. Um, And if we don't provide options for people, whether it's through transit or cycling or walking um, or another means of active transportation, each one of those folks is going to be in a car um, and most often an individual car uh, or a single occupancy car. And so I think, I think by not planning for it now and being able to actually put places for people to be safe, Mm. it'll be really challenging for Saskatoon in the future as we grow. Yeah. And particularly as as more people live downtown. Absolutely. I mean, growth does not pay for growth yet. There are some things that we cannot um, put development levies on in new neighborhoods. Like we can't add in additional levies for emergency services. So if a new fire hall is needed or transit as transit grows into there, we can do things for, you know, interchanges in parks. And so it helps shift that reliance. Um, But certainly it's more expensive the further out our city gets. And, just back to the the cycling portion, there's a lot of conflict between all modes of transportation, between motorists, cyclists, and pedestrians. And one of the things that we're going to be seeing more of is an update to the bicycle bylaw, which also will come with an education campaign because mm. I think there are a lot of, um, you know, great motorists, cyclists, and pedestrians, but there's also bad ones in each of those categories. And so making yeah. sure people know what their duty is when they are a cyclist or when they are a motorist and then making sure that we can actually build infrastructure that's predictable. Because we have actually really great examples of bike lanes that are not contentious. Like down 14th Street, there's a multi-use path. Um, I mean, the whole Miwasan Trail is that. The Victoria Avenue race cycle track um, has been great so far. And so I think regardless of um, what happens in the downtown, like, the bike lanes that are there will need to be updated. I mean, I've heard feedback about even the white poles, like they're tough to see in winter. And that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like what can That's we do to actually make this easier um, for everybody to use? Yeah. And safer. Yeah. 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 Um, we could talk about so many issues here, so, yes. but we're running short on time. Uh, so last, last question for you. Um, the, the Saskatoon that, that you and I grew up in, um, today's Saskatoon is, quite a bit different mm-hmm. um there's been a lot of growth and a lot of progress and um i would say by all accounts it is it is a better city today than when you and i went to high school and we've got a great city yeah um so what what do the next 10 years look like for saskatoon and in, in your view that's a great question and do you and do you plan to be on council in the for the next 10 years I do plan to seek re-election. Okay. It depends on, on the residents in the ward if they'd like me to continue, but yes. I do plan on seeking re-election. Good. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that we're going to have to figure out in our future is the implementation of the growth plan. We're still in consultation um, for the actual routing of some of the sticky points of the BRT and cycling networks. Um, but, you know, working through that, working with the community, working with um, experts to figure out the best place for all of those things and then being able to actually finance those. I'm also excited about the asset management plans that have been prepared. That's one big thing I heard on the doorstep was... What does that include? um, It's basically just getting a state of our assets, knowing what we have, what condition they're in, which ones are great, which ones are good, which ones are bad, which ones are terrible, 
and then actually having a service level set out to say, you know, each road is going to be fixed once every 20 years, mm. um, which means there's still maintenance like for all steps of the way. Like local streets you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Well, but it's and making that, sure that yeah. we know what condition it's actually in and then what it's going to cost to fix it and then putting yeah. money aside to fix it. People people love it when they're when the street in front of their house is fixed. Like they like it, you know, having gone door knocking lots of my life. People love that. Yeah. You know. Well, it's and nice it, and to it's be a able basic it seems like a basic thing, but it's it can take a while to improve things like that. Yeah, especially if we haven't been properly funding. And that's some of the stuff our um, budgets have addressed in the last two years is bridging that um, gap in funding for, you know, road sweeping um, and parks maintenance. There's some stuff that is always above budget. um, So why don't we actually just correct it and make it to the service level that that was set out? Um, And so I think, yeah, the growth plan is the the most exciting thing and kind of encompasses a lot of components of the city, but something that I'm also interested in seeing more action on is the climate file too. I think we have a lot of pressing issues that need to be addressed and we've got a low emissions community strategy that will be um, brought forward in June with actual action points of how Mm -hmm. we can reach the ambitious targets that are um, council set out and your council set some ambitious targets as well in Regina. They did. Yeah. Yeah. They so also, it'd be nice yeah. to have that synergy. Yeah. Um, well, as I said, we we could talk all day about Saskatoon because yeah. this is a city that we both love. So, um, but because of the uh, other stuff going on in our meeting room, um, that'll have to be it. So, Councillor Gersher, thank you very much for doing this. Thank you for the invitation. Do you like being called Councillor Gersher? Have you Serena's gotten used? Fine. Have you gotten used to that yet? I have. Yeah. I also uh, answer to Shrieky if you ask my niece and nephews. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to call you that. So, <laughs> Serena, thanks very much for doing this. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me, Dale. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Talking 306 podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Talking 306 podcast on Apple Podcasts on your iPhone, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a follow on social media as well. Talking 306 is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Theme music for the Talking 306 podcast is by Saskatoon artist Maybe Smith with a song that I think is very fitting for Saskatchewan called You Would Never Survive the Winters in This Province. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time.